Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. Hey, how did you hear about Christ Fellowship? Christ Fellowship. My mom invited me. Because my sister-in-law Pam invited me. My mom invited me. Victor invited me. My friend Gigi invited me. How did you hear about Christ Fellowship? I googled it. A friend of ours. Uh, David invited me. My sister told me about it and invited me. Um, I was invited by my neighbors. How did you hear about Christ Fellowship? I heard about Christ Fellowship through a good friend of mine who actually turned out to be my future husband. Uh, well, I got invited by my friend Tere. How did you hear about Christ Fellowship? Uh, I got invited by a co-worker. How did you hey. hear about Christ Fellowship? Oh, wow, my mom invited me. Because Frankie invited me. I come to Christ Fellowship because Jalen invited me. Well, hey everybody, that is exactly what we're gonna talk about today. I wanna welcome you to Christ Fellowship. We're so glad if you're visiting with us for the first time, we're honored to have you with us. My name's Rick, I serve as the lead pastor here. And I wanna apologize for missing Mom's Day, for missing last weekend. I had no surgery, got an infection, have an infection, but didn't Omar and Carlos do an amazing, amazing job? So proud of them. And today we're gonna to continue the series that they've been talking about, understanding the will of God. And so I wanna invite you, if you would, let's stand in honor of the reading of God's word. You know, the Bible says that the word of God endures forever. That's why we, we want to stand in honor of it. The Bible says the grass withers. The flowers will fade away. Your new wardrobe will go out of style. <laughs> but the Word of God never goes out of style. Amen? It endures forever. That's why we stand in honor and in reverence of it. So let me, let me just kind of get us started today by reading the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5. Here's what he says. I love this. He says, you, everybody heads up, you, you, at all of our campuses, you. And then he says this, you are the what? Light. Yeah, you're the light of the world. And then he adds this. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, you wouldn't do that. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now he says, in the same way, let your light do what? Shine. Yeah, let it shine before others that they may see your good deeds and, and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Yeah, you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. <clears throat> and I want to set things up today by talking to you about this dryer. Now, we all know what a dryer is. We know what a dryer does. It's actually part two in cleaning your clothes, right? 
You know, the washing machine washes your clothes clean, and the dryer dries your clothes dry. I mean, duh, we all know that. But I want you to stay with me, because today what I want to do is I want to take us inside this dryer. Oh, yeah, in order to clarify what Jesus teaches about your purpose in life. In order to clarify what Jesus teaches about your reason for being on this planet. So, I want to go inside this dryer. Will you, will you go with me? Okay, I'm going to come up on the screen. So, I'm going to duck inside. I'll see you there, okay? Well, hey, everybody. <laughs> Great to see you. Yeah. Now, the first thing you notice when you look inside of this dryer is that the creators of this dryer thought it would be a good idea to put a light bulb in here, and it's right back there. You might be wondering, why would they put a light bulb in here? Well, it's simple. It's because the world of a dryer is a dark place. Let me show you. Yeah, but check this out. The creators of this dryer came up with a strategy to, to overpower the darkness in here. And their strategy was to put a light bulb back there. Now, here's what you need to know about that light bulb back there. Number one, that light bulb, it is a light. In other words, it doesn't have to become a light. It is a light. The light's inside of it. Number two, that light bulb back there is the light. In other words, it's not one of many lights. It's it. It's the light in this dark dryer. And then number three, it has been strategically put in this specific location right back there by the creators. In other words, they didn't put the light on top of the dryer. They didn't put it out here on the side of the dryer. No, they put it right here where they wanted it, inside the darkness. Now, when I open the door, that light bulb does what it was created to do. Namely, to shine the light in the darkness. That is its ultimate purpose, to, to enable us to see in here. Oh, by the way, there's a sock somebody left in here. So, yeah, now let me sum it up. That light bulb, it is a light. Number two, it's the light. And number three, it's been strategically put in the exact place that the creators wanted it. And what is its ultimate purpose? To shine the light in the darkness. Get it, Christ Fellowship? Get it, Christ Fellowship? Good. I promise no more cheesy illustrations. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, let me turn a corner and bring all of that over to our study today. Because, see, spots uh, from that light in there. <laughs> but what an image of every one of us who are followers of Christ. And by that, I mean just like the creators of this dryer put this light bulb in this drier world, and, the, and, and they gave it an ultimate purpose, which is namely to shine the light in the darkness. Listen, just like that, child of God, God has put you in this world, and he has an ultimate purpose. In fact, this is my proposition. God has put you in this world, and he has an ultimate purpose for your life. We're going to talk about that purpose. But this ultimate purpose is God's will for your life in terms of what you're supposed to be doing with your life. You know, there are a lot of things that we do with our lives. We have our family, our career, our jobs. 
But what Jesus talks to us about in Matthew chapter 5, this is your ultimate purpose for being in this world. This is the reason you have been left in this world. This is the reason you exist on this planet. And not only is it the purpose of your life, it is the, this purpose we're going to look at, it's the collective purpose of all of us who are followers of Christ. You might be saying, well, Rick, what is my purpose then? Is there something that I'm supposed to be doing with my life? And if so, what is that? We're going to find out as we unpack the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have one, it'll all come up on the screen. How many of you have your listening guides? Wave those in the air at all of our campuses. Folks, fill in the blanks because this, this is so important. This is why you're here. This is your purpose for existing. Please write it down so you can always remind yourself. Two big thoughts as we unpack the passage about your purpose and my purpose. Number one, here we go. Jesus reveals the purpose of your life. Jesus reveals the purpose of your life. Now, with that in mind, look at what he says in Matthew 5, 14 again. Jesus says, you, 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 you are the light of the world. Now, stop right there. Because with those seven simple words, Jesus defines the purpose of your life. Now, everybody heads up. Because... At some point in our lives, we all bump into the purpose question. And the purpose question asks, why am I here? You know, what is the reason for my existence on this planet? Is there something that I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Not what am I doing with my life, but is there something that I'm supposed to be doing with my life? And folks, what I love, Jesus answers that purpose question for every one of us who are his children. By the way, it's kind of sad that many people, if not most people, will go through their life and never know why they even came through here. Many people will go through their life, in fact, get all the way to their end of their life, they will be dying and never know the reason they were put here on this earth in the first place. But what I love about this passage is, again, for every one of us who are God's children, Jesus makes the purpose question, he gives the answer, and it's crystal clear. You remember that scene in A Few Good Men? Jack Nicholson says, are we clear? Are we clear? And Tom Cruise says, crystal. Yeah, that's what Jesus does for us. He makes the purpose, the reason of your existence, crystal, crystal clear. So with that in mind, let's go back in the narrative and get a running start on the answer to the purpose of your life. So let's go back to verse 1. Here's what we read. Now, when Jesus saw the what? Yeah, the crowd. 
he went up onto a mountainside and sat down. That was the official position of teaching for a rabbi. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, stop right there, and let me give you the backdrop of this passage. To begin with, the scenario here would be near the Sea of Galilee. And folks, this is the moment that Jesus launches his public ministry. This is where Jesus sort of steps out of the shadows. This is his coming out message to the world. This is his first sermon, so to speak. And what is so amazing is that right out of the chute, automatically, massive crowds of thousands upon thousands of people swarm to hear Jesus. And folks, here's what I love about the people in this crowd. The people in this crowd who got saved that day, they were the very first Christians. These were the very first. These were the very first people to recognize Jesus as the Mashiach, the promised Messiah, to embrace him as Savior, and then to align their lives to follow him. These were the first believers, the first Christians, the first disciples. But, listen, this is so important. Here's what you need to know about everybody in that crowd. Those who got saved and, and those who didn't. Here's what you need to know about the thousands of people in that crowd. Here's what you need to know. They were all Israeli citizens living in the ancient land of Israel. Now you say, so what? Well, the so what is that at this point in history, Israel as a nation had hit rock bottom. They had been conquered by the Romans. The Romans had come in aggressively and occupied the, the territory militarily, politically, economically, they took over. And here's what that meant for every single Israeli person in that crowd. Here's what it meant. Number one, it meant they were overtaxed. Number two, it meant they had no political voice. Number three, it meant they had minimal financial means. And number four, maybe worst of all, it meant they had lost their national pride. You see, national pride pretty much defined the Israeli people. In other words, in, in the minds of the people in, that, in the crowd that day, their purpose for existing was all tied up in this nation. It was all tied up in being an Israeli person. But you have to understand that at this point, national pride in Israel was non-existent. And so here was the effect on everybody in that crowd. Everybody in that crowd had lost their purpose in life. Everybody in that crowd had lost their reason to live. But here's what I love. Jesus gathered together those who had become his followers. And Jesus said to them, he said, hey, everybody, everybody, Things are different with you. Things are different with you, and here's why. It's because you now have a new purpose in life. And he says, let me tell you what that new purpose in your life is. 
Because if you wrap your mind around this new purpose that I'm about to tell you about, if you wrap your being around this person and embrace this new purpose that I'm going to give you, Jesus was saying, you won't worry so much about all this going on in the nation. You won't get all bothered about the politics of the day. You won't be turning on CNN and Fox and MSNBC and stressing out. (laughs) And then Jesus tells everybody in the crowd that day who were his followers, and he tells everybody in this crowd today who are his followers what our new purpose is. And here's what he says. He says, your purpose is this. Write it down as A. You are the light of the world. Don't you love that? You are the light of the world. He says it. Watch what he says in in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, everybody heads up. Because Jesus didn't say to them, now, I want you to become the light of the world. He didn't say, now, now you need to grow into the light of the world. No, he said, you are the light. It's like, it's like the light in the dryer. The creators in here didn't put the bulb in there and say, now, bulb, you need to become a light. No, they put it in there and said, you are a light. Jesus says, you are a light because the light is in you. Tell you what, back to the hillside. Because when Jesus said to the crowd that, to that day, hey, you, 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 you're the light of the world. The people in that pr- crowd probably went, what? <laughs> Is he crazy? We're no light. Light's all about influence. We have no influence. We have no influence politically. We have no influence economically. We have no influence nationally. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Your influence is not going to be tied to your nation. Your influence is not going to be tied to politics. Your influence is not going to be tied to your your money. Your influence is tied to God Almighty. And Jesus says to them, and he says to us, he says, he says, you're going to be God's nightlight. How many of you have a nightlight? I have two. So when I get out of the bed in the morning and want to find my way to the kitchen, those lights light the way to where I need to go to. Jesus is saying, because you, 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 because you are in this world and because you are a light, people are going to be able to find their way to God because of you. Now, what if I were to walk into your business, into your office, into your surgical room? What if I were to walk into your classroom where you teach? What if I were to walk into your gym where you walk out, uh, work out? And what if I were to walk up to you and, and whisper in your ear, hey, hey, you're the light of the world. And then I walked away. You would probably say, Rick's lost it. You would think, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not the light of the world. This is just where I work. This is just my place of business. This is just how I earn a living. But listen, you are a light. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, you are a light. You know why? Because the light is in you. It's in you. 
And that means every door you walk through, you bring light through that door. That means every room that you walk into, you bring the light into that room. You see, you see, folks, the question is not, are you a light? You are. The question is, will you shine that light so that people can find their way to God? Tell you what, hold that thought. Hold that thought that you are a light. Write this down as B. You have been strategically put in place. You have been strategically put where you are in this life. Listen to verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That doesn't make sense. Instead, they, key word, instead they, say that next word. Yeah, they put it on its lampstand. Now, everybody check this out. Because that word put, P-U-T in the English, is explicit. Because it's translated over from the Greek word tithome. And tithome means to put something in a specific location. In other words, you don't just randomly put it here or set it there arbitrarily here, arbitrarily. No, tithome means to put something in a specific location and to put it in there with a strategy in mind. Again, you get the idea in verse 15. Look at it. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put tithome intentionally, strategically, Put it on a stand. Why? So that it gives light to everyone in the house. And Christ's fellowship, here's the takeaway. Here's the analogy. Don't miss it because it's so important to your life. You are where you are in this world. In every way, you are where you are because God put you here, put you there strategically. It is not random. You're not where you are by accident. You may think so, but you're not. You've been strategically, strategically, intentionally put where you are. Now, let me flesh that out for us at all of our campuses, local and global. You are in this city because God put you here. You may think you're here by accident. You may think, I didn't even want to come to this city. You may even think, I I didn't mean to come to this city. But you are in this city because God intentionally wanted you here and intentionally put you here. You ever hear people say, I hate this city? How many of you have heard that? Yeah, I hate this city. You know, maybe you wouldn't say that if you realize God loves this city and God loves the people in it. And you wouldn't say that if you understood that you are here because God in his sovereign, intentional will providentially put you here. Your job, the city you live in, whether you're in Miami, whether you're in Colombia, whether you're in our Cuba campuses, whether you're in our Ukrainian campuses, wherever you are, whatever city you are in, listen, listen, you have been put there by an intentional act of God. You're where you're supposed to be. And here's what you're 
supposed to be doing where you are? What are you supposed to be doing with your life? Write it down as number two. You're supposed to let your light do what? Shine. Look what he says. He says, in the same way, in other words, he goes back to the analogy, just like the lamp on the stand, my analogy. In other words, just like the light bulb inside the dryer, in the same way that they shine, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, folks, I don't have to tell you, we live in a dark world. Spiritually, morally, it can be dark. Whether you're here in Miami, Doral, whether you're in downtown campus, Coral Gables, whether you're in Colombia, Cuba, Venezuela, Jamaica, we live in a dark world. And I don't have to tell you that sin and death and disease and sorrow and sadness, and despair, and hatred, and war, and the lies of evolution, and the lies of false doctrine make it hard for people to find their way to God. They grope about in the darkness, but Jesus is saying to you and me, he is saying, you're my nightlight. You're the light that I've put inside of you, and you're Assignment, your purpose in life is to shine that light like a nightlight so that people can find their way to God. God has put his light in you. But here's the question. Here's the question. Write it down as A. Here's the question. God has put his light in you, but can God trust you with that light? Can God count on you? He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its lamp and it gives light to everyone in the room. Can God trust you to do that? It's it's sort of like this bulb in this this dryer. The, The creators of the dryer put the bulb in there. And listen, they are counting on that bulb. They are trusting that bulb to do what they created it to do, and that is to shine the light. But what if I open the door and the bulb doesn't do that? You know, it's got its own mind and it says, nah, I don't, I'm not into that shining thing. <laughs> it fails to do what it was created to do. It fails to realize its ultimate purpose. And you know what happens then? It wastes its light, which is exactly what Jesus is trying to keep you and me from doing. In fact, Write that down as, as B. Don't waste your light. Don't waste your light. Jesus says in the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, you want to know what God's will is? There it is. You want to know what God's purpose is in your life? Your purpose is the reason you've been left here. God put you here to shine the light to the way that leads to God. You see, here's what you know and I know. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am 
the life. He used definite articles every time. He didn't say, I'm away. I might be some truth. I could be the life. He used definite articles. I am the way, not one of many, the truth, the life. And just to make sure we get it, he said, no one can find their way to the Father but through me. You see, you see, you and I have that truth in us. We know the way. <laughs> that makes you a light. You can say to people, there's the way to God. It's through Christ. Follow him. You have the light in you. But again, the question is, will you shine that light? Will you shine the light? Can I get an amen? amen. You see, some of, for some of you, it's, it's kind of hard to say amen because you're thinking, Rick, I, I know that. I know that I know the way to God, and I know I'm supposed to tell others and show others. But you would say, I just struggle to do that. You would say, it's just awkward for me. I spaz up every time I want to talk about it. But listen, here's what I love about this, this text. Jesus does, doesn't just tell us to be a light. Here's what's great. He shows us how to do it. And he gives us basically five tips on how to do this. You're going to love these. So I want you to write them down as one, two, three, four, and five. Here's number one. Do good deeds for those who are lost. Don't you like that? Watch what he says. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Well, how do I do that, Jesus? That they may see your good deeds. The phrase good deeds simply means acts of kindness. So folks, don't miss that. Everybody heads up. Jesus is saying strategy number one to being a light for lost people is to show kindness to them. Be compassionate. Be kind. Now think about it. That has nothing to do with talking to them. That has nothing to do with, you, with, with what you believe. That has nothing to do with theology. No, Jesus says this has more to do with the way you treat people who are unsaved. You see, when you treat people who are unsaved kindly, you show humility to them, humbleness. You show com compassion. You're helpful to them. It has a way of softening people's, people's heart, doesn't it? It has a way of opening their heart to the message that God wants you to give to them. It puts down their defenses. They're not so much like stiff-arming you because kindness does that. And by the way, the darker the place you're in, the brighter the light of your kindness shines. Sometimes people, I'll hear people come to me, they'll say, I'm getting out of my job. I hate my job. Well, why do you hate it? Oh, s s nobody in there is a Christian. Everybody in there is, they're, they're lost and they cuss. And they... Listen, that's why you want to stay, not run. Yes. You're like a star on a dark night. That's when you shine the brightest. Listen, when I was coming to Miami, people in Charlotte where we live, when they found I was coming, they said, you don't want to go to Miami? Well, why not? Oh, nobody believes in Jesus down there? Well, that's why I want to go. They said, oh, it's so rude down there. That's why I want to go. It's rude and unbelievers. Mankindness shines like a, like a floodlight, doesn't it? So strategy number one, do kind deeds for those who are lost. Strategy number two, write it down. Do good deeds and then help 
people connect the dots to God. Does that make sense? Look what Jesus says. In the same way, let your light shine before others, and then what? That they may see your good deeds. Watch this. Connect the dots. And then what? Glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, folks, we have to help people connect the dots from our kindness, we have to help them connect those dots to our Father. You see, it's not enough just to be kind. It's not enough for somebody to say, oh, she's so sweet. Oh, he's such a nice man. Even for our ministry, caring for Miami, it's not enough for you folks in that ministry for people to say, oh, they care. We have to somehow connect the dots of our kindness over to God and show those people that the reason we love them, the reason we're so kind to them is because the love of God just boils up within us and it overflows to them and we want to connect them to the God who loves us. But you see, some of you, you would say, that, but Rick, that's the, that's the snag for me. You would say, I got the kindness thing down. I'll sign up. I'll serve my job, my, wherever I am in this world. I can, I'll, I'll do the kind thing. But Rick, when you talk about connecting that to God, I struggle. It just feels awkward. It feels confrontational to me when I do that. Well, here's how Jesus helps us with that. Write this down as number three. Here's what we need to do. Think conversation, not confrontation. Think, con everybody say conversation, not confrontation. You see, when we think of sharing the faith, we even say confront people with the gospel. <laughs> you ever heard that? We're going to confront people with the gospel. Or some of you think it's, it's awkward, it's, 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 I, I, I spaz up. I, but Jesus said, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to confront someone. Just talk to him. For example, when Jesus met the woman at the well, what did he do? He just struck up a conversation with her. He just started chatting with her. And he talked to her, you know, about the water in the well, and he talked about the thirst in, in her body. It was, just one, it was just one person talking to another. They, the two of them talking to each other. But then Jesus connected the dots. He connected the water in the well to himself, the water of life, and he connected the, the thirst in her body to the thirst in her soul. He just connected the dots and easily drew her to himself. Just like that, you and I can do the same thing. For example, you can ask your friend, how was your weekend? And your friend says, oh, man, we had a blast this weekend. We went to the beach. We grilled out. Family came over. We, we had a great time. Then see if they ask you how your weekend was. See if God opens the door. And if they say, how was your weekend? You can say, oh, man, we went to the beach. Kids came over. You know, we grilled out. We had a great time. We went to church. We went to Christ Fellowship. We heard a message about the love of God, how God loves us how God cares for us, how he has a plan for our life, how he has a purpose for our life. And oh, by the way, Joe, God loves you. God cares about you. Has a plan for your life. You see, just a conversation, not confrontation. 
And not only that, write this down as number four. I think this is crucial. Don't always think touchdown. You know, I used to think that way. I used to think, you know, now I'm going to share the gospel with this person. And, you know, they're in this end zone. And God's all the way down at this end zone. And I've got, you know, five minutes or whatever I got with them, ten minutes to get them from this end zone. we got to go all the way for a touchdown. <laughs> but the fact is God may only want you to get them to the ten-yard line. God may want you to just get them thinking about him. God may just want you to get them to realize, hey, he loves me. God may just want you to get them to, to Christ's fellowship. You don't have to think, i got to take them all the way to a touchdown. Somebody else may do that. And then finally, number five, invest and invite. Invest and invite. This is an old strategy. <laughs> We've used it for years. We got it from North Point Church, Andy Stanley. It's a great, great strategy. Invest and invite. What do we mean by that? We mean invest in a relationship with somebody. Invest in a conversation. Carve out time to talk to people. Get to know them. Chat with them. And I'm talking about lost people. Just get to know them. Build a, a friendship with those people. That might be the person, the teller at the bank. That might be your business partner. That might be... Your brother might be your sister who, who doesn't know Christ. Might be your kids. Might be your husband. Might be your wife. Might be your mom. Might be your dad. Build a friendship. Invest the time into a friendship. Carve out time for a friendship. And then the next step is invite them. As you build that friendship, hey, I would love to invite you. Hey, we went to Christ Fellowship this week. Could I invite you to, to come with us? Invite them to Christ. You saw, did you see the video at the beginning? How many, how many of those people said they got to Christ Fellowship because somebody invited them? I want to take a random poll at all of our campuses today, at your campus, at this campus. I want to take a random poll. How many of you came to Christ Fellowship? You found your way here, listen, because, because somebody invited you. Let me see your hands. Look at that. That's the power of an invite. Would you go, yeah, you can give a hand to that. Do you know Tom Rainer, who does research for churches, say that 85% of people who say, who are unbelievers, say if somebody would invite them, they would go? Listen, you came because somebody invited you. Listen, return the favor. That's how you become a light. By the way, we have, we have just, you know, brand new invite cards for you, give them to everybody. I just keep them in my car, in my wallet. I go through a drive-thru, I, I hand them out. Although the other, the other week I was going through, I think it was Wendy's or something like that. Autumn, my 12-year-old granddaughter was with me. And I got my stuff and I was about to pull off and she grabbed me, she said, Papa, stop. I said, what? Aren't you gonna give her an invite card? <laughs> So embarrassing, so embarrassing. But we pulled back just a little bit and I said, hey, I want to invite you to Christ Fellowship. So easy, so easy. Also, we got new yard signs. This is our new, new yard sign. You got the old one, we want you to replace it with this. Why, why do we want yard signs? Why do we want that? Because 
it, it, it creates recognition in people's mind. When you say, let me invite you to Christ Fellowship, they're not, where? They're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I'm aware of that. Again, this helps soften people's hearts. So pick these up, put them in your yard, and let's invest in relationships and invite people to Christ. So let's do something about that today. Let's do something. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. So here's what I want you to do. On the back of your, your worship folder, there's, uh, there's a card. And, yeah. And it's got a list of five people. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God to put five people on your mind that between now and the end of the year, you're going to invite the Christ Fellowship. Five people that you're going to invest in a relationship. You're going to get to know them. You're going to love them. You're going to be, show kind deeds to them. And then you're going to connect the dots and invite them. Just invite them. I want to give you a few moments to do that. So just in the quiet of the moment, you ask God to remind you of who that would be. And then write that name down. Might be mom, might be dad, might be brother, might be sister kids, might be co-worker, person at the bank, checks out your clothing. Business partner, schoolmate, teachers, principals. Name it and claim it. See, folks, think of what would happen if all of the five people that you invited, and not just the five people that you invited, but the five people of everybody in this room, and not just the five people of everybody in this room, but the five people of everybody in the room at all of our local campuses, and the, yeah, and the five people in every room, at every campus, in Cuba, Colombia, Ukraine, and all of our global campuses. What if we got them all here? Do you realize the kingdom of God would not have grown? It would have multiplied exponentially. This is how we shine a light. What I love is Jesus makes it, makes it simple. He uncomplicates it. He takes the nerves out of it. And just helps us to be able to do it sort of organically, intuitively. So let's do that. Amen? Amen. On the way out the door, pick up these invite signs. You're going to kind of be, you're going to feel like you're, they're being forced on you. Because don't worry about wasting them. You know where they get wasted? They get wasted when they're left in the basket. Grab what you think you need and use them. They won't be wasted. We can get more. Please, please take, take them. Take them and use them. Now. What I love to do is to take what we talk about from, from here to here. And sometimes we do that with a resolution. We resolve to God. So here's the resolution. You know the routine? I'm going to read it. It'll come up on the screen. I'm going to read it first. You listen to it. Then we'll remain seated, read it together, and then we'll stand and read it together. Does that sound good? So here's the resolution. You listen as I read it. 
oh God, I am your light in this world. I am where I am because you have put me here. And my purpose is to shine your light. Lord, may I let it shine through deeds of kindness. May I let it shine by investing in people and by inviting them to Christ. And then with everything, may we shine forth your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's remain seated. I want us to read it together. Here we go. And then we'll stand after this one. Here we go. Let's read it as unto the Lord. Oh God, I am your light in this world. I am where I am because you have put me here. And my purpose is to shine your light. Lord, may I let it shine through deeds of kindness. May I let it shine by investing in people and by inviting them to Christ. And then with everything, may we shine forth your glory. You believe that, Christ Fellowship? Yeah, let's all stand. Let's let heaven and earth, the angels, let them hear our resolve. Here we go again. Oh God, I am your light in this world. I am where I am because you have put me here. And my purpose is to shine your light. Lord, may I let it shine through deeds of kindness. May I let it shine by investing in people and inviting them to Christ. And then with everything, may we shine for your glory. I love you all, Christ Fellowship, God bless. If you wanna take your next step as a believer, we wanna hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org slash connect and filling out a connection card. We wanna thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.